Good evening, Sunday night here at Card Authority. Hope everyone's had a great week. Welcome to, oh, I think legitimately, episode number 40, James. It is episode number 40 of Card Authority. How's your weekend been, mate? Long, long. You can probably see, the, the people can probably tell a little bit, those who are watching live, probably look a little bit tired. Not. Uh, it's been a long week, yeah. Not my usual self, I suppose, right now. G'day, Christian. Eating wagon wheels. Excellent. Nice, Lukey James. Christian. Nice. You're on the lint balls, Shano. Nice. Eye roller. Yeah, you're li living it up out, out in wow. Ballarat. Good, good to hear. Actually, I might go home and... Hello, well. Mr. Magda. Oh, Magda's on board. Welcome. Well, welcome aboard. Obviously, Card Authority Sunday night. Um, we were going to do it during the week, and we got caught up, and then by chance, a release happened. So, hey. Timing good. worked out. Impeccable. We're geniuses. Absolutely. Um, obviously, the big announcement today, Supremacy Rookie 2022 was announced. We'll obviously go straight through it. G'day, Bradley. G'day, Flam. Um, we'll obviously talk about that shortly, but no doubt, case, Sean. no doubt you guys would have seen the live stream today from Select, um, the final product release for 2022, Supremacy Rookie. They're calling it Platinum Blue and Platinum Green. Is it, is it, was that the description? Yeah. yeah, I reckon they're being a bit generous with the word Platinum, but yeah. let's just call it Blue and Green. So there's going to be one number to 25 card and three number to 75 cards. Yeah. Um, Retail price of $299, but special SEC exclusive of only $229. What was it? 1,625 units produced. That is correct, Adam. 1,625 units produced starting off as an SEC exclusive. Yep. We're aware there's somewhere between 800 and 1,000 active SEC yeah, members or something like that. So not a huge amount going to be available for the general public on sale, which... Um, It'll sell quick. Yeah, it's obviously yeah. going to move really quick if you're not one of the people that, that has, is lucky enough to have an SEC at the moment. Obviously, there'll be an opportunity again in a few months' time to sign up or get your renewal through. But when the, That's only after 40 stars. Around 40 stars, only around in March, yep. April. But uh, in the meantime, you know, certainly worth having a crack of the general on sale. I'm pretty sure yeah, most SEC members will also be having a, a shot of the general on sale. As we've always talked about, I've been there. It's pretty disgusting. I'll get rid of that. Mink's not emptying that. Um, don't be deterred. At the end of the day, there's going to be, what, 800, 900 boxes, whatever it is. Yeah. 800, 700. God, my brain's not working. Um, you know, just have a, have a go at it. It's not going to sell out in three seconds. If you're I think ready. It's going to move pretty quickly. Not a bit, 25 seconds. 30 yeah, seconds. 20 to 30 seconds. Same yeah. sort of thing. If you're ready, you've got your credit card, you're logged in, all that kind of stuff. You've got to obviously fight with capture, but it's not going to be impossible to get. Yeah. So don't. Don't stress. Um, we've had a couple of messages off people today thinking that they're going to miss out, but there's you haven't missed out until you've actually missed out. Correct, and that's going to be. And we see it's, it's it's like everything in life. There seems to be a lot of hype in the lead up to something, and a lot of hype about missing out. But then a lot of the time, it doesn't actually eventuate that way. And yeah. we've certainly seen over the last few releases, major majority, the vast majority of, of people within the hobby and, and collectors and whatnot, most people are be, being quite happy. But um. Look, moving away from the actual on sale itself. Yep. Go Shane, go Glenn. Product makeup, price point. Yep. All that sort of stuff. What, what What's your thoughts? Uh, look, I think once again, it's been seen to give the collectors a little bit of win. Um, yes, Lee, there's been plenty. Of, it's a cash grab. Um, but buy my boxes, yeah. Yeah, but buy it for double. That's right. Um, 
Look, I, it's really hard, and I, I always find this is an interesting, and I'm certainly, you guys all know that I will like select when I feel it's needed, but, you know, at $229, even $300, that's not a cash grab. Like, these these cards, we're not going to see the true value of these numbers of 25 cards in particular Look, for three or four years. This is one of the first proper, proper speculated or speculative products. Yeah. In a few years' time, it's going to be absolutely impossible to find these numbers of 25. On the cash grab thing, obviously, a number of people, including those who are, who, who listen and watch this show, yep. would have seen I made a bit of a, a tongue-in-cheek post um, I did say that earlier today, today exactly on, on, on that sort of cash grab situation and very loose term that gets thrown around a lot. And um, I can't remember who it was, but someone put it really eloquently that at the end of the day, Select is a business. They are a publishing company. They're in the interest of generating sales and generating revenue. And we, as the collector and the consumer of their product, we need them to be successful. We need them to generate more revenue because the more they generate, the more they can put in. And therefore, we have a higher quality of output with respect to the cards that we're getting. Sure, there might be more releases and there might be, you know, the dilution taking place and other things like that. But at the end of the day, look at the quality of the product that's coming out especially when you put it on, on the international scale yep. and compare it to some of these multi-billion dollar companies and what they're producing from overseas versus what are, uh, homegrown businesses and publishers in Australia are actually producing. Um, you know, there's always lots of debate and lots of talk about designs, but move the design aspect aside here and talk about the physical properties of the cards themselves. What they are delivering to, to us and what they're delivering at the price yeah, points they're doing likely. is incredible. Yeah. And people, I think, very much take it for granted. Um, you know, again, we, we often come back to that situation of when you look at things retrospectively, your view will change entirely. And when we push five or 10 years into the future, those who are around now and whether they're still in the game at that point, still collecting or whatever it may be or not, I think everyone will be able to look back retrospectively and look back in hindsight and go, wow that was an amazing period of time yep. where the card publishers were doing so well that they could put so much back in and deliver such a, you know a substantial amount of really high quality releases so uh, you know i think everyone would agree and no one's under any illusions like we are in the midst of a really incredible period for trading cards we have been for two or three years already and we will be yep. into the future as well but it won't last forever. And like every type of industry, it goes in ebbs and flows. And again, I think we're going to look back at the period from sort of 2018 or 2019 to 2023, 24, 25, and we will have seen such an amazing amount of good quality releases during that period. It'll be a defined period in the history of trading cards and in the history of AFL cards, which you have to think it dates back like, you know, to the late 1800s at the moment. So, sure. Look, this has just popped up, and I'm going to. This is something we haven't talked about. So, Glenn McInerney, does anyone actually know what the price it would be to create a card? This is a really good question. So, to actually make a card, whatever it is, well, it doesn't matter what the so, card is. So, there's a lot in, in yeah. it. Yeah. The actual card itself costs 20 cents, whatever it well, is. Well, no, but look, thicker cards and, and encased all that cost sure. more. It's a, it's a nominal price. But it, it, it's the administrative costs involved. Well, and, it's and li licensing. Yeah. So straight yeah. away, and that's the difference between, and we've talked about this a bit on the show, licensed and non-licensed products. Every single dollar that Select or Team Coach or Panini or any of those guys take, 
they pay a ridiculous licensing a fee huge royalty. off RRP. So yeah. I think it's like 30% for the AFL. Yeah. So straight away, 30% of that $1 card is going to the AFL. You then have logistics and freight and anyone that's in any sort of form of business coming and getting only from China at the moment, yeah. where all these products are produced, the cost of a container used to be 2000 It's now 10000 But the cost of everything, the cost of wages, the cost of keeping the electricity on in the in the Australian office. But, that, and yeah. yeah, yeah. But then you look at designing, production, marketing, fulfillment, all this kind of stuff. Me, additional media fees, photography-related stuff. Yeah. So the actual like... physical card is nominal. That's the cheap part of it. It's everything else. So um, it would be great to actually reach out to select and team coach and actually see if they could, I don't think they would give us a breakdown, break, get, get, you know. but a loose breakdown would be yeah. fantastic to actually know so people what, get a better understanding. Yeah. And then when you start talking about signature cards, it used to be a ridiculous, you know, it, it's a ridiculous price to get signatures. Um, Shane Watmo just said there's uh, cards used to be printed in Australia. Well, the reason they're not printed anymore, Shane, and you would know this being someone that's been around for the, so... The cost involved in doing it? No, the security. Maybe security issues, yeah. The, basically, the well, problem was there were people that work at the production and the printing company that would take away sheets and cards would go out the back door. Overprint. And that's why yeah. you'd get all these knockoff cards, yeah. stolen cards. With, with that said, sheets. Team Coach does still print in Australia. They print up in Sydney. Sure. And they literally, you know, it's my understanding that either the owner of team coach or effectively people directly below him yeah. physically monitor the production of yeah. their cards at the at the, the third party that they use in Sydney. Yeah. There is always someone from the company watching over what's going on there to make sure there isn't sheets going out the back door, cards going out the back door and all those sorts of things. So my understanding is the company that does it in China for Select is a company that does it for Tops and Panini there. So they have serious mechanisms in place already in protocols. And there's yeah. the security infrastructure. So yeah. um, I think everyone would say it would be great to be in stuff printed in Australia, but it's just not feasible. And unfortunately, when you've got a, a product that is um, a commodity or a collectible, people get deep pockets and itchy fingers. Look, and and let's be honest as well. Anything, anything outside of a, a 35-point standard card... Like it's, it's very difficult to produce in Australia anyway. You, like you can get custom cards done, but they're handmade. What we're talking about here is things at scale need to, you know, it needs to be. So you, you, you got one for Dylan. Yeah. How much was that custom card? I just paid $60 for a, a custom patch card. Yep. Which I would say the card, well, the card's 130 point thick. Yep. It's, it's layered. Um, the guy does an amazing job. I would compare it in physical terms probably to a, supremacy patch card okay. uh, or, or actually like or a, a certified patch a certified patch signature landscape style card is probably the closest thing to compare it to $60 a unit I didn't blink at that you know what I mean but yeah. you're talking about something that's physically handmade by a guy with his own tools like he's got got machinery and stuff like that sure uh, so every job is a custom job obviously a card company can't do that at scale um, Richo made a hard, I can't believe anyone would utter the words China with integrity in the same sentence. Look, I, I know you're having a little bit of a laugh there, but the, when you're dealing with businesses and scale outside, you know, even trading cards, they run a very tight ship over in China. And it's, you know, international business and commerce for them on this sort of scale is what fuels China's... Well, it has for decades. For decades. Yeah. So one thing they do very, very well is integrity. 
Um, and I know, it, and that can seem a little bit amusing from the outside. It probably got, look, it does go both ways. You know, there's always the the bad apples that spoil the bunch of type of thing. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot more. It's so much harder to police that in a, in Australia or yeah. locally. So I know, I know we went off topic there, but I think yeah. it was an interesting point that we can't get caught up on actually the cost of a couple of cents of a card. You know, this $229 box, yeah. well, straight away, they're giving literally $70 of it away or $60 of it away. That's not working now. Anyway, a huge jump straight to the outcome. I, I want to try to step it back a bit. And I know we don't want to sure. spend the whole episode talking about supremacy, but it's obviously fresh in people's minds and a lot of people talking about it in the comments. Um, and there's certainly been a number of discussions, both public and private, that have taken place today amongst the, the community of, of collectors. Yep. Um, so I want to try to step it back a bit here. And again, I, I, you know, we try and take a very neutral standpoint, contrary to what people say in terms of accusations or public opinion that we are some, you know, we will net, we don't say things that are negative and we don't say things that are bad and we're a mouthpiece and all that. It, it's really not true. And I want to continue with the authenticity of that to talk about and touch on not just the, the, the positive things. So one of the things that has arisen for me today and what people have rehashed a couple of times um, is what, you know, the, the supremacy branding around rookies. And it's something for me that was discussed last year. Yep. And I expressed my opinion, my personal opinion on that was it was strange to have rookie in supremacy because supremacy was supposed to be about established superstars and established yep. success within the game. We talked about it to death. Okay, cool. We understand. They wanted to introduce rookie-related stuff as there was a big run happening on rookie collecting, rookie speculation, a lot of guys shifting from international sports cards with a different mentality, the team set collectors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so from the outset, no, I don't think it was suitable, but it happened last year. And as a result of that, I think we need to see the cohesion of carry through. So although people are raising that exact same issue at the moment, oh, I don't like it or it's not cool because it's supremacy and it shouldn't be, sure, I think that argument has absolute relevance. And I think I, I certainly think every opinion is is both right and wrong, or, or there is no there is no right or wrong. Mm, it's a, it's an opinion. Right. But I also think we probably need to move past that point now and accept, okay, well, that has transpired. And if they're going to come out and, and do these types of things, then there needs to be some sort of continuity. So, uh, uh, you know, moving past the initial thing of last year of rookie being included in supremacy and now it coming back, I think it's gone way above and beyond where it was in terms of, you know, the value, I suppose, and, and what people are actually getting. From a selfish standpoint for St Kilda, this is a far better rookie class for me as a collector of other security mm -hmm. collectors. There's some great players that have had game time and potential future superstars. That's fantastic. But talking from a pure value perspective, how they've now restructured this, I think has a number of really positive things that are, that are gonna occur from it. You're no longer just getting a single card. So there's no longer gonna be the jubilation, but on the flip side, the extreme disappointment if you hit a bad player or a bad team or a or, or something that you didn't want whilst you watch everyone else hit something good. Yep. You're going to hopefully get a mix of four different teams. Sure, I'm sure there'll be discrepancies here and there as they are under the law of averages. But, you know, the expectation would be collation should be pretty good and you're going to see a nice spread of cards. That's fantastic. 
the value that comes from three cards number to 75 often will be overlooked because there's a card number to 25, but you cannot discount the value. I think due to the limited print run, this is going to be a heavily traded release. Yep. Because essentially, which is great, most people will only get one box. Correct. That's the reality of what's going yep. to happen. So the the choice to sell one and open one, or sell one, open two, sell two, open it, yep. it sort of goes out the window. And at the price point that it is, there's a really good opportunity here for individuals to open their one box and then to see some really significant trading taking place, especially on those number to seventy five ones. I think. Yep. Um, and lastly before I hand the mic back to AJ, the pricing is a really interesting one for me. Um, I think they've nailed it here and they've nailed it from two different perspectives. One, there's an increased product offering and with an increased product offering should always be a price increase. Um, you know, at a primary market level, that should be happening for select. It costs more to produce the product. They should be charging more for the product. But we also need to look at it from a collector's standpoint the way to offset dilution and putting more numbered cards to market is to actually increase the RRP or the, the first point of sale of the box price. Because if you continue to run boxes at too low, the perceived value of the short print cards inside actually go down. Yeah. And we talked about it a lot of times that Supremacy Rookie last year, a full series number to 25, and as well as Brilliance in the past as well, they haven't got it right with the with the pricing of the boxes. And uh, it's funny because I think, you know, select as a business is trying to look at it and go, we don't want to be perceived to be taking the piss or taking more money off the collectors. We want it to be affordable. But on the flip side, keeping the box prices super cheap is actually impacting the perceived value. And it means those cards are not fetching what they what they should be versus the historical market as well. Yeah. And just to add to that, and look, someone made some comment earlier above, I can't scroll back and find it now, but the value of these cards now, there's obvious value in the Dacoses, the Darcy's, the top tens, the big clubs. But where the value is going to be later on is, and someone mentioned Garrett, Garrett McDowell, who I think has been... The set completion. Or no, the thing is, like he's been delisted, whatever, from Essendon. You don't know what's going to happen to him next year, so forth he might get picked up by collingwood become a superstar who knows but also here comes along fred janky a new, a new set collector who wants to suddenly backfill all these cards and, and five, six years later. good luck finding a number 25 card and people like so it's it don't be don't be stuck in the short term of i've got to get back by 229 but also don't get caught in the rhetoric that there's this that there's this popular belief that's actually unfounded <laughs> that huge volumes of set collectors are leaving the hobby or, or or not set collecting anymore one it's been completely overinflated and over exaggerated but two the amount of new people coming in far exceeds those that are changing their style or exiting absolutely so you know it's no different to me coming back in in 2018 and then picking off a few cards from series one then deciding to collect a few players then deciding to a team set and then having to go backlog it all and it's absolutely going to happen into the future. The cards are 25, even the cards number 75. They will be hard to find. And the 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 pricing in the first few months of a, of release won't be reflective of the desirability, I think, in the future. And, Great. you know, we, again, we've talked about it last year with the exact same release and how it's undervalued against the market. 
the same points come up about delisted players and stuff, but at the end of the day, it doesn't change the fact that over the entire course of the future of both the history and the future of AFL cards, if at any point in time more than 25 people ever want to put together a full put together a full team master set, well, where, how are you getting the card? Yeah. Where, where is it coming from? And what are you going to be prepared to pay for that one gap? Because there's only 25 in existence. Irrelevant, the and team, then, and, or and the, the thing you've got people who do who bulk multiples. Like, yeah. you know, again, I've said it before about myself personally. People know that I do it. Good luck trying to get the St Kilda rookies from Supremacy last year. Yeah. If you come along in a year's time and you want to backlog it, well, you're going to have to find some sort of pathway to me. Yeah. Because they're just there's not enough out there. If I've got 10 of the 25, yeah. well, that means only there can ever be 15 people that can ever complete a set. So that's the that's the reality of the situation. Don't don't get caught in in that in that little but bubble. Be, let's be clear for people that perhaps are new to the show. You're not doing that to cock block people. No, I do that because I PC certain players. That's and, how and you that's collect. The yeah. I, I get my kicks yeah. out of putting you know out of flexing a shelf full of full of gold brilliance cards. Do you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. and and that's up to me. And with that being said, like, and, and as many of the security collectors have known and experienced, I'll always help out. And whether St Kilda collectors or other collectors, if I have spares or multiple of cards that can help someone else with their collection, I absolutely will do so. You know what I mean? So you heard it first. Anyone needs a Lenny Harris gold brilliance, <laughs> shoot Jenks a message and he'll be more than happy. I, 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 I don't have enough of it. But yeah, so I, I think price point wise, I think it's a smart move. They potentially could have even yeah, got Is it gold. cheap? It's still cheap. Yeah. It's still too cheap. So I pose this hypothetical thing on this yeah. and run sheet. If they released this same product today and put a $500 price tag on it, do you think that is too expensive, just right, or too cheap still? So 500 probably tips over a barrier. Because um, then what does that value the 25 at if you put it at a $500 a box? Well, at $500 a box, you essentially need the low, the low range 25s to be worth 250 to $300. 500 is probably too excessive, but at the same time, if the cost of a box is greater, then the barrier to entry is greater, and therefore what comes out of the box should, in theory, be perceived to be worth more money. And at the end of the day, the value of something is perception. Perception is then impacted by supply and demand, and sales are achieved. But it's all in the eye of the beholder, because it does take two to tango. You need a seller, and you need a couple of buyers to, to, to instigate yep. a sale and benchmark a price. So uh, I think 500 would be going too much. At 300, I think people still don't blink. I think 300 is the same as the 229. Um, and, and if it was 300 and then 399 for public on sale, that's probably the limit. I'd say that's, that's the limit where it gets to for a product like this. Yep. And you probably see that reflected in the secondary market pricing. So the secondary market pricing of the boxes here probably start to give a real good indication of where the true value starts to lie of perception of what a box could be and, worth. And look, we've obviously had a few people reach out to us today and we won't go into those details publicly, but everyone has seen the box listed on eBay for $500. Yeah. Do you think that box sells? I think I don't think that box achieves its $500, yep. but I think we see that sell. Yep. I think okay. it does sell. I think someone makes offers on that box where the breakers are otherwise. Look, and this is the other really interesting thing. There is a perception about the box resale 
being exclusively breakers that are buying the boxes. It's completely untrue. Um, People buy to rip. We know, yeah. you know, we buy, it's no secret, we buy an astronomical amount of boxes of every release off the secondary market. Yeah. There's probably 20 plus people on this stream right now that have sold us boxes and will, I'm sure, continue to do so into the future. And no, we don't need to name them. They will continue to remain anonymous. But as has been indicated to us very clearly, especially with both Optimum and with, with Optimum mainly, we had price targets of what we could pay. We were very transparent with people. We have got enough stock at this point. This is our price point at this point. This is what we can pay. Please go and sell the product on the open market and see what you can get for it. I'm telling you, it's like eight out of 10 is being sold to individuals, not to breakers. People are getting the boxes and ripping them open. Yeah. And I'm sure there's plenty of people on stream right now we know that probably people. fit yeah. into the category of having bought boxes of Optimum from Select at RRP and then also gone on eBay and bought more boxes afterwards just to rip open. And there's, Magda, I'll get to that question. That's on my list, don't worry. Um, you know, yeah, like there, there is, there's obviously breakers and stores and I just mentioned Cherry does it as well. Yeah. You know, us as breakers, we need to acquire stock for our business. We are very um, firm and strict, as you said, on the prices that we pay. Yeah. But there's also master set collectors. Like we've got a we've got a collector, and again, I'm not going to mention it. He deploys tens of thousands of dollars every yep. release yep. to buy up as many boxes as possible yep. so we can fill his set. That's right. And then he ends up with all this excess stuff and yep. that ends up getting moved in on a consignment basis. Well, and there was another one, another collector today who commented on one of my posts, and I'm sure he's on stream today. Straight away, you know, a bit of a joke was happening. He said, I'll buy 75 boxes off you. Yeah. So it's not that these people are wanting to buy boxes to go and flip. A lot of people have clients, collectors. Yeah, and there's, and there's a multitude of different That's reasons. That's right. And, so. everyone, and, and there's no, you know, everyone's entitled to do whatever they want, whether they're yeah, buying it for themselves, well. buying it for a mate, buying it to flip, buying it yeah. for breaks, whatever it may be. That's that's entirely up to them. And again, we talked about the ecosystem of trading cards and I suppose the success of the stability of, of the market over the last few years. And you need to have all these different factors all playing their part to maintain that success. And, you know, it's a, what's going on in the NBA and international sports card market is a really great example where you have international sports that are in territories all over the world. And it, it, those are open to international market forces. The ass has basically fallen out of the NBA market in, in context, in context where it's gone back to where it was basically a couple of years ago in terms of pricing. But the people in Australia have no no level of control or not even a level of participation in what's going on because it's been dictated on a global basis yep. by what's happening in much bigger territories and because of the scale of the print runs of all this sort of stuff. We are very, very lucky in domestic market products such as AFL cards where it's domestic. The The, the marketplace is, is so intertwined and interconnected that what's going on overseas doesn't impact our local market. And again, contrary to what people may think about more print runs, bigger print runs, all that sort of stuff, it's still so minuscule compared to what happens overseas. And the yeah. fact that every release continues to sell out and the marketplace is very resilient, some cards are worth less now, some cards are worth more, whatever it may be, is, is, a, is an indicator that demand is being serviced and oversupply still doesn't quite exist. So 
just to segue a little bit there for you for a second, we obviously play a little bit of game about what percentage of stock gets opened. Yeah. Okay. Let's crystal ball this a little bit, knowing that literally four sixth of the product run is going to um, SEC. Do you think this becomes a, a, a one of the highest open products quickly? Uh, yeah, it's going to get open super quickly because there's no distribution channels. So it's not like product goes from publisher to retail or publisher to, to somewhere to then get to the end person. It's all just going straight to the end person. A percentage of it will certainly get resold and then take time to be opened up. But in my opinion, the vast majority gets opened. I, I, I just, I don't think we'll see as high numbers being resold of this sort of product and therefore delayed opening. So I'd almost think like 50% of the product's gonna get opened on whatever more, on, on more. whatever the first 48 hours of delivery is. Oh, more. In that first 48 yeah, hours, more, yeah. More. 50 to 70% yeah, gets opened instantly. Yeah, yeah, gets opened instantly. Yeah. yeah. What do you think of Optimum's being opened? Uh, I'd be around the 70% mark now, I would say. I think more. I think, so. yeah, somewhere between 75 and 80% of Optimum. Well, I know there's it. certainly, you know, obviously we still get people offering us boxes, but that amount of people has dropped dramatically. Yeah. Um, I think the, I think it was a bit slower to open than people thought originally. Yeah. Um, but definitely, yeah, it, it definitely 75. Yeah. Um, sorry, Richo, just uh, back to your comment. Uh, you're absolutely right, and it's it's about well, balance. Let, let me read it out so yeah. we hear it. So, Richard, it's too big to put on the screen, Richard. To be honest, guys, while I get your talk about price points, Selective being smart, keeping it low because it keeps us interested. If they go too high, it will be another size, the same as the MBA where everything is, is tanking. Okay. Yeah, and again, it's all about that balance. And exactly as AJ asked, he said, "Do I, you know, what do I think about 500? I think 500 is too much. I think 230 is still probably a little bit too low. And I think really we should be really like thankful, I suppose, and we're the benefactors of it, all us people. And as well, the limitation, someone else had mentioned something before, it's gone up in the comments about the time of year. It's a bad time of the year to be putting product to market. Well, not when you can only effectively get one box of a product that costs you $229. Yeah. Like that, that doesn't have a deep impact, especially compared to, to everything else like I, I think i think it's smart like i think it's smart people talk about fatigue but you know you don't want to just you, you can't just have stagnation as well because that's what actually the if you take away the things for people to be able to participate in the momentum dies and it starts to go backwards well they don't do other things every every and the people that's right people go they get bored yeah. and they go and do other things yeah. so you know, you, we, we've talked about it before. I think we talked about it back in 2020 about how smart releasing brilliance was because that got pushed into the market, the right product at the right time November? to add a bit of fuel yeah. to the fire. The market was running too hot. The steam started to come out yeah. and they put that product in and it reignited everything. And all of a sudden, bang, 2021 was yeah. hot. You know, like, and I think, you know, we talk about fatigue. There's no doubt there's been bits and pieces of fatigue. But when I look at Optimum and I look at the general, the broad spectrum of the market and especially across all our groups and pages, people have mostly achieved their set chases already. Yeah, They've already achieved it, which means they're, as much as people like, I don't want my wallet to be hit here, they're also chomping at the bit for when's the next thing coming. Yeah. I want the next thing. And we've got to remember 
in a couple of weeks after we have this release and we all consume it at a rapid pace, there's then nothing to like March next year. Yeah. There is no footy cards to like March next year. Yeah. So what, you know, it's, and that, and that's the time where, you know, I said to AJ privately, like I'm looking forward to that three month period because my list, I haven't been able to cut down my list from pre 2021 of my master set chase because I haven't had time. Yeah. We've just gone release to release to release. So I know myself, and I'm sure there's plenty of other people in the same I mean, boat. So we'll use that opportunity yeah. to start backlogging sets. Yeah. Footy stuff. And, and, we'll, and, and you see, again, you'll see the ecology change. And, you know, you have all these people talking about, like, oh, you know, older cards are tanking cards from three years ago, five years ago, tanking, they're tanking, they're tanking. They're not. It's it's cyclical. Everyone's onto the shiny new thing right now. Once they have the shiny new thing, They've got to go back and get the shiny old thing as well. Yep. So there'll be a demand surge on older cards from previous series two, yep. and previous hobby releases, and from previous series one. It's yeah, it's it, it's funny the 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 bubble that people get caught in around rhetoric, and you know we're, we're probably partly responsible for it as well. People can get too caught up in the things we're saying too, but you have to take what everyone's saying and, and then judge it for yourself, analyze it. And, and then take your position of what's good for you and your collecting style or the area of business that you may, you know, maybe you're in with trading cards. So I see Will Gorman is on the stream. Will, for people that don't know, he runs and heads up all our eBay and e-commerce. He will be cheering for this release because he knows as a shop we don't get any. Yeah. So he won't have to do any. Yeah, that's things. right. We'll open a few that we we buy, yeah, just so we've got some tradable inventory and, and maybe a few so cards. You'll, you'll be right. You'll be, you'll be you're on holiday mode now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but look, as a as a as humans and as collectors, we naturally want to consume things. I can tell you right now, I would it would be horrible knowing that there wasn't going to be anything till March. If we'd finished with Optimum in whatever it was. Started. I don't, I don't, to, to be honest with you, it's going to feel like to me, it's going to feel like a lifetime away from oh, early December, from early December yeah. through to March, with no new releases. It's actually going to feel like a lifetime. Yeah. But again, there's so many people that have joined the hobby even in the last three months. It's a great opportunity for them to start to become acquainted with other cards, and we certainly see it through our breaks business. Where you know, there's people that are in our breaks right now for Optimum who don't didn't even know what supremacy was. Didn't even know what brilliance was didn't know what other releases were yep. and we're trying to use that opportunity when we have these people on stream as well to educate them so well hey did you know that actually i remember having the conversation on on a break did you know that last year in optimum the mirror cards they didn't have sigs on them that's the upgrade for this year because yep. we had a repack come out in the break which had an optimum mirror and someone's like what, what's that it doesn't say signature redemption on it that's last year's one yep. and this is what's evolved but all that piques those people's interest. Oh, well, what was in last year's cards that were the big hits? What's an influential? What's these things that I keep saying? You know what I mean? So it's really, impo it's really important that the, these opportunities arise for one, people to have the time to be able to look at other things, but also for people who have already been around to continue to educate the new guys yep. and inform them on, on what there actually is out there because we were all that new guy at one stage. So question, all right? And uh, Magda did bring it up and I had it on my list that I was going to talk to you about. Let's look at the Dacos Platinum DPS versus the Dacos number 25. Yep. In five years' time, pending he goes on the same trajectory that he is as a Sam Walsh or whatever, what card is going to be worth more? One, number to 40, better signature. 
the other being a short print number to 25 supremacy yeah right. look obviously again there's no factual aspect to this my my opinion on it is that the platinum 40 sig and the 25 rookie supremacy will essentially be on par and almost think they're going to be on par throughout their entire entire trajectory so they should start the same they should be the same after two or three weeks and in my opinion they'll probably be the same after a few years and i think there's a couple of different aspects to it you know you know 25 is much shorter print than 40 like that difference of 15 is a really significant difference in terms of market availability and rarity however my personal opinion i think the opinion of a lot of other people as well is that they hold signature cards to a higher standard Rucker's legitimacy and, and therefore yeah. signature cards will have more of a premium associated with them so i take the premium of the signature take into account the physical attributes of the supremacy then the numbering of 40 and the numbering of 25 and i see a i see it hitting a, a t a t intersection but you know across across yep. section where it, it's the same like to me the, the figures basically the same could be totally wrong but it should be the same so my view on it is yeah. and again i'm talking about scarcity with cards i think there will still be people that have number to 40 there are still going to be cards floating around there isn't many previous number to 40 releases that you can't find one or two at a huge know. price. I see. I don't know about that because the true previous to 40 before this whole thing in the last couple of years was the influentials from certified 2017. That's true. But I think, you know, Hodge and Crips is one of the hardest ones to find. You can find one at a price. I think that being numbered to 25, that these things are just not going to be anywhere. Yeah. They're either going to be in master set collectors team collectors or they're just or people that have left the hobby or whatever i personally think that these numbers 25 cards could surpass the number to 40 cards yeah i know sigs are more desirable i get it i get it i like it as well i just think they just cannot exist yeah do you want to bring up richo's comment i think it's a really good one and i think it's a good thing to talk about this in one general terms. yeah sorry it's all scrolling yeah. really fast uh Richo, Richo, great work tonight by you. I'd love to answer this question. What about the Ripper? All right, well, yeah, and I'm sorry. What about those rookies that were in the preview, the unnumbered ones? How many of them could come out the back door like cards did from Futera? I mean, they were numbered, weren't they? No, so she had unnumbered ones in the preview today. Oh, did you? you were busy with cricket, yeah, yeah. So, so she had unnumbered ones in the preview. So, just so everyone is aware, all, all cards across all production runs, whether they're series one or they're super high end card companies that have to serial number cards so in this case in australia select they produce overruns of cards that get used for a number of purposes but the main purpose they get used for is replacements and then they also get used in previews richo is bang on here with what he said and again we talked about the integrity before of the issue of historically in trade for trading card companies in australia whether at the publisher level or at the the manufacturer the physical plant level cards going walkabouts overproduction things going to market that should never have been there and all that sort of stuff what i would say is and, and richo's given a really good example here of futura um who were around in the early 90s basically it's uh, someone correct me if i'm wrong there from memory it was early 90s like up until about 93 or 94 um that there, there's you know there seems to be known stories about that there's known stories about 
team coach cards going to market that should never even been in production run about overruns, all that sort of stuff. There's certainly been rumors over the years of, of blanked cards from select making their way to the market and things like that. I think the difference is now Richo is a combination of the, the technology age and the internet coupled with this incredible microscope that people have over the card publishers that people are looking for any opportunity to bring these companies down. And the reality is the value of cards on the secondary market is intrinsically linked to the credibility of a company. And as soon as you take away that business's credibility over what they state, so where they state, this is our ratios, this is our numbers, our serial numbers are a reflection of what truly exists. Once that becomes compromised and that integrity is compromised, it's, game over. it's over. It is over. Yeah. Because that's when your cards, that's when you have to start to question, well, hold on, my card number to 25, maybe there's 500 of them out there. Yeah. So is it really worth this much money? So I think that the combination of technology and us as individuals and people who participate in the, in the trading cards as a hobby ha ultimately have the power and responsibility and we automatically do it by default without even trying that we hold the publishers to account because they know they cannot mess around because if they mess around the future of their business is deeply impacted yep. if, if not over and yep. i think you see changes within companies that's a reflection of those sorts of things and that's why like these companies they don't just hire people they go through like a very stringent process because they understand that an individual employee, if they do something stupid or do something wrong, it has the ability to impact the credibility of a company and bring down that brand. Yeah, and I think they, you know, I know, well, I've asked the question before, you know, what they do. And apparently they literally drill cards when you get like a card replaced. Yeah. And I'm sure multiple you people they cut them up. yeah well they drill them they physically drill them straight away i'm aware of someone who who got a replacement done a few years ago but due to i think it was a geographical related issue wasn't required to send back the card but on a video had to destroy the card on a video and they, they still have the destroyed card in two halves and they have the new version of the card that's the only time I've heard of a replacement taking place without it physically needing to be sent really? in, okay. but they required the evidence to happen to ensure that, that it could never go to market. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, so, which is really interesting, but yeah. And look, to be honest, I think over the years, Select and Team Coach as well have been really good with replacements. Yeah. Like pretty good with it, where, where they've been able to and have the capacity to do it. Sure, there were some issues last year around Optum and Mirasigs and stuff, and there wasn't, they didn't have the capability to replace all the ones that people weren't happy with. Yep. But I certainly think in the, from a general standpoint, they, they're pretty good with it. Yep. Can you get me a satellite <laughs> operator job with select banks? Well, well, that's funny. I'm sure i uh, just put it in the email and writing. Yeah. Um, look, it's an interesting product. And again, I, as I said at the top of the show, I think we're going to see the true value of these products, not in 12 years, uh, not in 12 months, not in 24 months. It's going to be good three or four years. Yeah, um, you know when we start seeing some of these players really become superstars. Yeah, even two to three years. You know, we saw what happened with Sam Walsh between twenty nineteen and by the time it was twenty twenty one, where yep. the value of his first year cards were. So, yep. you, you know, 
injuries, all these things can happen. Nick Dacos is a real anomaly. Yeah. It's a real anomaly. Like, yep. if this kid continues the way he's – if he follows up next season like this season is, come this time next year, I'll, I'll, yeah, these cards. But there's uh, a trend. Jam- it happened with Jamara. Yeah. And the first time we saw a DPS hit the hype train yeah. was Matty Rao. Yeah, it was Rao. That's yeah, right. I remember three hundred dollars yeah. for a dominant. It was DPS. the first time that ever been it DPS was, open up. It, it was price. like, oh yeah. my god, how is everyone worth every card worth seventy ninety dollars, and this is worth three hundred? Correct. Yeah. And it was the first real speculative, um, yeah, situation of this. Yeah. So very interesting. Guy Robbins has said, get some golf breaks going. Look, Guy, I'm going to be totally honest. I'm not a massive fan of golf, but I'm certainly not dissing the sport. We have a couple of those boxes of those golf cards, and they're a turd. No, they're not. I'm sorry. They are just not. If you hit a Tiger Woods signature. You hit a Tiger Woods signature, but otherwise, like, I don't know. So golf's not my thing. But those those cards to me are... I'd be opening a footy box. Big shout out to the guys at Upper Deck. Yes, thanks uh, thanks very much. Uh, Uh, (laughs) Um, All right. So, look, Supremacy Rookie on sale now for SEC. If you're listening to this podcast um, or watching it at a later date, it has gone on sale right now, Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon. Um, I think it goes all the way through to Friday. Can we talk about, just quickly, Sure. The Card Authority Hottest 100 before we, can. We, before we forget because yep. we are just under 24 hours left. Do you want to tell people what it's The about? nominations. All right. If you are not in the know and you haven't seen our cringy videos coupled with the amazing artwork that we do have, which I do think is really, really good and neither of us did it, obviously. Um, but if you have been living under a rock the last few days, we are running the first ever, the inaugural RGV Hottest 100 AFL card. Sorry. RGB. Wrong brand, bro. Wrong brand, sorry. Yeah. Uh, the Card Authority Hottest 100. It is a, you know, we've certainly copied Triple J's Hottest 100 a little bit. Yep. But uh, right now is the submission stage. It's completely driven by you guys. Submissions and voting is both from the community. So I think at the moment we've got, I think around 300 or so cards have been submitted. So the mm-hmm. list is populating really well. It does close at 6 p.m. tomorrow and it can be found on our Facebook page and then voting will open a couple of days later. That's right. So Brendan, don't stress, people have been nominating the Scanlon's cards. We will go through the voting process this week. That's correct. So I think voting opens up on Wednesday. So we'll actually have like a online form where you click in and then you can put your votes in for it. So don't stress, the Scanlon's cards are being nominated. And some cards that I'd never heard of, which is great. So I've had to learn a few things this week. Um, yeah. But don't worry, they're getting nominated. And yeah. they will feature, I'm sure, high on the uh, list. I would definitely be thinking, yeah. like, certainly some of those Scanlon cards are, are right up there in the yeah. list. And again, so, yeah, don't be confused. Right now is the nomination stage. Those nominations all get compiled. And then we go into a mass voting stage. Everyone will have 10 votes. So you'll be, be actually be able to vote for 10 cards within the system. So say hypothetically there's four or 500 cards on the list that have been nominated. Everyone will then have 10 votes, so it correctly weights across. Yep. So it's not just like an avalanche of everyone just voting for one single card, and it should start to really give us a true representation. Yep. Um, you know, Again, to be clear, this is not curated by us. It's not based on actual sales. We didn't want to do it based on sales due to anomalies. And, you know, again, we had an internal discussion about this, where the way I tried to position it with the boys was, well, sales are a really funny one because you could have an individual card that hasn't that never comes up, that comes up once every five years, sell for $3,000, 
or you could have a, a card number to tw to 25 where 10 of them sell for two thousand dollars so which is the more popular card and that's why we've decided to go with a, a community-based thing community nomination and, and also community based on the whole what's the most expensive isn't necessarily the most desirable absolutely or yeah. hottest and hottest can be something that you own something you desire something you think should be part of the list or something you think is just a great car yeah and you know certainly a trend that i've noticed after doing all the excel submissions recently um gary ablett seeing gary ablett features every very very all sorts of people who collect all different types of cards and different yep. teams seem to collectively think gary ablett has some cards that are the, the big show yep. so for us as well as everyone else it's going to be super interesting to see what happens in the voting stage of, uh, of so the... I think it closes tomorrow at 6 p.m. So please go to the Card Authority Facebook page, submit any cards you think should be voted on. Um, it'll get put into a list and then voting will open. And as a bonus, anyone that submits any submission, even if it's a double yeah, some boxes of Optimum, they'll go into yeah. draw win a box Optimum, yeah. and everyone that votes will also going to draw for a box absolutely. So, um, Andrew Kensington says, with select cards get getting hard to yeah, we'll select up the SCC again next year. What do we think? So I think they did their calculations probably from the outset based on what their minimum release print and print runs are. You know, I'm sure they projected a couple of years into the future. Yep. So it's always been our understanding and what they've always advertised is there's 1,000 SCC placements. Um, we're aware in the first time around there wasn't a full 100% uptake. Plus, plus there was a huge amount of cancellations. Yep. It's my understanding that as every release goes by, they continue to cancel more and more accounts. However, the volume of cancellations is reducing. So that I think they feel like they're, they're, they're knocking out the accounts that they need to be knocking out and they're getting to the point where there's not many more to get rid of. I think our expectation at the I mean, moment... 900. Yeah, there's somewhere probably around 900 members at the moment. Yeah. I can't see how it doesn't get to a full 1,000 allocation the next time around. Or, well, it's sold out this round two. But and then, then they've cut back. Then they've been cut, cut so out, I yeah. imagine they will do the same again. I can't see them increasing it. To, look, there might be a small increase, but when you start looking at the shorter print products like Brilliant, Supremacy, Rookie, yeah. if you suddenly made SEC 2000, well, 2000, for example, not everyone would be able to get one of these Correct. boxes. That's right. So that defeats the purpose. Yeah, Shawnee, what is Sean Dean says, yeah. boys, you haven't responded to me yet, but it's important. I'm not sure... The, the comments are moving very fast up yeah. the screen, so I'm not 100% sure send if you a, want to ask it again, Sean. Send me a personal message, Sean, if it's something private um, or if it's just about a break, settle down, right? We so Trent it. has raised a good one here. Someone else said in a group chat earlier, yep. day cost to 25. Let me put up on screen. Settle down, wait. Yeah, we need people to see it. With day cost to number 25 not having a jumper number, what does that do for the O1? Janks. Well... I feel like it's one of those things where a lot of people, well, I'm not even going to say a lot of people, I'll just use myself as, a, as an example. Mm -hmm. I'd like to have the O1 and jumper number of every single Kilda card, yep. but I'm content if I can just land one or the other and see someone else get one. You take away the jumper number and all of a sudden, does that double the demand on the card? Does it double is, the price though? But yeah, is the O1 all of a sudden just so much more important? because the jumper number doesn't exist. So uh, I don't know. This is one of the first times that we're going to see it with anything of note. You know what I mean? Because last year there wasn't any rookie players of note really, uh, you know, above that 25, I don't think. 
or anything that anyone was too concerned about. But yep. really interesting topic, Trenna, and time will tell a bit of the, bit of the unknown there. I guess what do you think, Trent? I'm interested to hear what you think. It's going to be a good case study because the you're a season collector. Yeah, you're a season collector, Trent. You've been around for a long time, so you would. Uh, yeah. I, I know me personally, who is not as obsessed with numbers as you are. I do like lows and jumping up the no ones, but I know once you start dealing with cards number twenty-five. So, for example, like well, like, the value of a low doesn't it? It's, like my yeah. dusty brown low, yeah. of brown low double. I don't care what number it is. You know, it's numbers of 25 who cares. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whether it's a, a three, a seven, a 22. Uh, it, I don't know. I've, I've always worked with the mindset. And in my mind, it's always like the lower the print run, the lower the, the lower the multiple, the higher the print run, the more. So because of the value of a card. So a $5 card, I'll pay 25 or $30 for a jumper number, maybe even $50. I'll pay up to 10x. But a $300 card, I'm not paying more than 2.5 times for an 01 or a jumper number. Yep. So when you're all of a sudden talking about a card that could open here at $1,500 or whatever it may, whatever people think it may be, it, it's uh, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. I, I don't I don't think that an 01 or a jumper number, a $1,500 card, is going to be worth $6,000. Yeah. But I can understand that it's a three to $4,000 card. It's huge. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Magda, imagine if uh, Select Mega Supremacy Black Rookie out of 10 in the rookie boxes. Um, and I saw someone else comment something like this before as well. I don't think there's any Easter eggs here. It, they clearly wrote on the product page, if anyone has seen, yeah. there is only 16, 25 boxes. Someone mentioned before as well, like, hey, what do you think about if they if the number to 25 was signed? It would just be a DPS. Well, it would. Look, here's the thing. I think it would make the desirability, you know, increase exponentially. But the problem then all of a sudden is two things. One, the cost of producing the cards goes up because you have to pay the signer fees for all of them. Correct. And you're also paying all the transit costs and everything else. But more importantly, it lends back to the notion of, I would think that a signed, a signed authenticated signed version of a rookie to 25 is so much more desirable and worth infinitely more than, a non-one and therefore the box price would have to reflect it. So all of a sudden, if there was a signature in that box, or selling the box at 239, even 300, it, it, it just, it crashes the value of the singles. Well, it crashes the value of the 25. That's what I mean, it would crash the yeah. value of it. So yeah. if they were to do something like that, my expectation would you be the price of the box has to go up dramatically to make it out of reach for a lot of people yep. to then hold the value higher on the secondary market. Yeah, good question. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, we've nearly been here an hour. We have. Um, thank you, everyone, for your questions. Obviously, fantastic input today. Richo, you've had a, a great He's had a rip of this session. And, guys, as I'm sure a few people have noticed, or at least a few people have mentioned, and hopefully a lot of people have noticed, um, we are working really hard to try and get a lot more card authority content out for you guys. Yep. That's something we've been really focused on over the last six to eight weeks. I hope people are starting to notice it. Um, and whether, again, whether it's from having to see our faces or hear our voices a bit more or, you know, instructional images or videos that we're trying to do or resources, free community resources that we're trying to create, um, we are really trying hard to do it. And if people do have ideas and feedback for us, please keep it coming through. And it's yep. something we certainly want to continue into the future. So although we may have a bit of delayed intervals between our actual podcasts at the moment, um, we, we are doing our best to, to, and we are spending just as much time. And we love the we feedback. We get yeah. plenty of emails. But, so. uh, yeah, we hope you guys are enjoying it. We look forward to continuing to bring 
content and discussion and provide a platform for you guys to, to get involved in as well. Absolutely spot on. So Supremacy Rookie released today, public sale next Sunday at 12 o'clock, and then I guess we should get it sometime the following midweek. Um, thank you, everyone, for your contribution. Janks, thank you. No, thank you. You've been excellent. Have a great Sunday night. Uh, is Denmark... The Denmark France uh, game tonight. I don't even know. I can't oh, Australia track. Denmark game. All I know is I put a bet on Australia to win the day before. You are an absolute okay. Have a good evening, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Ciao. It's been awesome as always.